Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today I have with me in the studio Brett Johnson, who is a dear friend and also an interior designer and business owner. Thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm so excited to hear about your business because I know this is kind of the the fruition of many, many years of thought and hard work and kind of creating and coming forth with a dream. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's it's really remarkable. Um, about two and a half years ago, um, I fell in love with a building in Bath and really um, the Medanic building, and it was, it was moderately available. Um, and... Um, got in touch with uh, Sean Ireland, the developer um, who was doing the doing the project and and um, kind of sold him on the idea of Main Street Design Company coming to Front Street um, and really having Main Street come back to Main Street. Um, and the grand vision of the Portland Design Studio um, and Design Center um, being the mothership and the Medanic building and Bath being the flagship for for Main Street Design Company. So and then opening the store in the middle of COVID was <clears throat> challenging <laughs> to say the least. Um, and then also at the, simultaneously it uh, became uh, possible for me to buy handle it hardware in Portland. So uh, I also in addition to to the other MSD Co brands, um, branded uh, MSD Co hardware, uh, which is within the store in Bath, and that's doing really, really well as as well. So it's a lot of moving parts, but I've got a great team that that helps me pull it all together. So you've actually, it's more than just the store. It's really the expansion of, I guess, the Brett Johnson Empire. Uh, let's call it the, an empire. It's, <laughs> and I think it's um, it's the culmination of the MSD Co brand, um, and and in really actually for, um, being able to have have a brand that's that's um, that can live on beyond Brett Johnson, um, and and that's certainly there's certainly a a portion of the business still that's that's me and certainly my design clients um, seek me out for my abilities to communicate their dreams and wishes in their homes um, but really but really it is it is building a brand that um, can live on beyond my um, my ability to keep working as hard as I am well I I joke about the empire of course <laughs> i mean i know that you've put so much time and effort into it yourself mm -hmm. so it's simultaneously both you but also you're empowering your team to work together to co-create yeah, this ab business absolutely and that's been a that's been a real uh, learning uh, lesson for me too in in um in my own personal maturity is um, is being able to let go enough um, to uh, it's, I'm not a parent, but I think that 
I think there's some similarities there where where people who work for me um, become people that work with me. And, um, and then some of those people at this point are working on their own within the, within the uh, structure of Main Street Design Company, but they're really able to, to, to realize some of their own abilities and strengths at the same time. So it's kind of fun. So when you say parent, you mean the evolution of their skills and kind of starting from a, a place of learning to moving to a place of maturity? I think a lot of the people that a lot of the people on my team um, look to me to mentor them. Um, I know um, Darcy Fauche, who's my number one. Um, she she wanted to work with me forever and ever and ever. She was raising her boys, um, and um, you know, being an amazing mom, an amazing wife. But she really had a, a passion and a de- desire and. And she um, she found a way to to come to work for me, and she was she was green as they come, and, but so energetic and so um, so hungry for the desire. And now at this point, she teaches me things because um, she still has that desire to learn, and she's going. Um, doing research and listening to podcasts and and um, really bringing a lot of the a lot of new fresh ideas to to the firm so it's really it's really cool and other people too in the on the retail side um, very similar very similar situation so you have several different elements to the work that you do. In, you, you have the retail side of things, but you are still actively engaged in design work. So you're out in the field quite a bit as oh, well. Oh, yeah. My, 90% of my, of my existence is um, managing my design clients um, and um, in big projects. And that, you know, that really is at the core of the business. The other stuff kind of supports it, um, certainly feeds it and reinforces the brand. The retail is very on brand, um, which is challenging sometimes because retail retail is so customer driven in sort of small segments. So it really it's the challenge there is keeping the shop on brand um, on a regular basis and not letting it stray too much into the kind of gift shop realm. Um, But we do a pretty good job with that. When you say on brand, for people who aren't familiar with that, it's it's a bit of a term of art. You mean things that fit within the vision that you would typically have for your design work. Right. I I I like to have things in the store that I would want my clients to have in their homes and things honestly that my clients want to have in their homes it's part of the it's 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 those it's those small um, final layers of a project that really um, make it more um, more personal Um, and so um, that's that's really the goal that's really the goal and um, it's not so much personal 
um, like my personal taste. Um, but, but sort of going back to the, going back to that sort of brand, that, um, part of the biggest part of the brand is the communication of design for other people's ideas. Um, and that's just kind of me being a conduit. And I do the same thing when I buy for the store. So that seems like it would present an interesting challenge because you want things to reflect what other people want. And also you're trying to help them further their own vision. Mm-hmm. And you're buying things in, in a little bit of a, an abstract. You're, you're furthering this vision that other people have for themselves, but also that you have for them. Mm-hmm. It just seems like there's a lot of layers there. There are a lot of layers there. And sometimes it's, sometimes it gets a little murky. Um, and like right now the shop is busting at the seams with merchandise. So, how, so, and in a relatively small space, how to, how to allow the merchandise um, and, and the, salespeople to sort of make a statement and tell a story and to have that have that story be evident enough so that people want to make those items part of their story um but i lean on i lean on my heritage um i'm very um very happy to have um some kitschy things (laughs) which you know, especially in the summertime, um, lots of lobster things. Um, we also have like, if you need to shuck an oyster, we have, and we have like 20 different oyster knives and things like that. So it's, it's, it's really that it's really, it's really good. We we also have, we also have some really cool, small main artists that we that we represent in the store um, that that also help us tell the story. What is your story? When you talk about your own heritage, I, I know that you, you went to Mount Ararat mm-hmm. High School in the University of Southern Maine, mm-hmm. and you have a Bailey Island connection. <laughs> so mm-hmm. play that out, your family story. So my family story is, is kind of interesting because it's... Um, on my mother's side, my f- grandfather's French Canadian, um, um, to Burge. My grandfather worked in a paper mill, but he was also an entrepreneur. Um, they, my grandparents had a popcorn stand on Main Street in Brunswick, um, and but my grandfather also was a wallpaper hanger, and um, so there there was that. In fact, he lost an arm in the paper mill, and um, and uh, we have a newspaper article that was inside his wallpaper table, which I now have. Uh, my aunt gave it to me, um, and there's a newspaper article about him, and he really was the one-arm paper hanger, <laughs> which was very kind of maybe a little morbid, but he was an amazing guy. So, and then on the other side, I come from a lobster fishing family. Um, but my, my Bailey Island family and my Bailey Island connection in the, in those generations that preceded me, the, um, the town of Harpswell didn't have a high school, um, like Mount Ararat. So they tuitioned all of their kids to go 
to school elsewhere. So my grandfather and my great aunt, his sister, were very well educated and um, and worldly. So even though they they settled on Bailey Island, they brought a tremendous amount of um, information back, which they which I was um, lucky enough to share growing up. Um, so I love books and literature, and my great aunt um, was a poet and had lots of artist friends and um and Bailey Island really was kind of an artist community my grandmother painted I have some beautiful little paintings that she did that are um, really lovely and cherished so that's the that's that kind of I think that was the spark that that um drew me back home to Maine and also um helps me helps me to this day tell other people's stories that love love Maine and the coast. How did the two sides of your family get together? Because they seem, I have a French-Canadian side, and then I have an Irish-Catholic side, and both Maine-oriented, but back in the day, those two sides <laughs> did not mesh. So I'm kind of wondering the same thing about your family. My French- <clears throat> My French Canadian family um, moved to Ors Island, and um, and my mom is one of five children. She's the middle, and they bought a house on Ors Island. They built a motel, and then when my sis- when my mother and her friends needed a summer job, my grandfather built a coffee shop and an ice cream stand. And they ran it. And my father, being a healthy young man, um, took a liking to my mother. Actually, um, several of the young ladies that worked in the coffee shop were, um, he was smitten with, but my mom ended up being that. And that's how the two families (laughs) got together. (laughs) Kind of a, kind of a, Grover's Corners, <laughs> small island community story, and so my and our and our families are very enmeshed actually at this point. So if you had made a different choice with another one of the young ladies, then you might not be here today. Well, it's interesting because both both my parents were engaged apparently to other people from the island and. And in both cases, we have we're friends with their subsequent children, and we're like, "You could be my brother," and then, or you could be my sister, and oh, but none of us would be here if it was a different if it was a different pairing, and that's just how that worked out. Everybody picked who they picked, and and here we are. But that's that also is. That's also part of the, of the kind of fun and um, in the realization of just how tight knit a small community is, and um, you know now nowadays we have I think people have a lot more options as far as who they end up with, but um, but but I'm I'm glad that my parents got together and had three, had three great kids. My my siblings and I are very diverse from each other. 
my sister's a minister and my brother's a boat builder um, and but we also we also end up with the same core values that were created on the islands. One might think, looking at the piece around your neck, that perhaps this is somehow related to this this family background in Maine. However, it is not. You actually went on a grand adventure fairly recently. Tell me about that. I did. I um, a year. A year out from um, a major transition in my life um, where I unpartnered, um, I had always had a desire to travel. And um, and even though I'd done a little bit of it, I've, um, I've, I found a real need to, to travel. And I ended up um, with an opportunity to go to Denmark, to Copenhagen, to see a a friend um, who, um, Anna, who lives here in Maine and her family, she's from Denmark and she's going to Denmark to um, be with her family because she hadn't seen them since the beginning of COVID. And I said, oh, I would like to go to Denmark while you're there. And she said, I'll do it. So the next day, without even telling her, I made a flight reservation on Iceland Air to go to Copenhagen, and and really, really wanting to go to Scandinavia to to kind of um, feel some of the energy of my Viking roots, which I know exist. So Iceland Air is, and I'm. This is going to be like an advertisement for Iceland Air, which. If all American airlines were as good as Iceland Air, we would all have a much better experience flying. So Iceland Air allows you to add four days layover in Iceland um, to either end of your trip. So I decided, um, because I'd always wanted to go to Iceland, that I would do a small layover of two days in Iceland. And that was like nothing I'd ever experienced. The greatest thing was it was the time when the days were getting longer, quite long. Um, so my body clock didn't know what time it was. So of course I stayed up. I definitely, I definitely found my Viking drinking roots. <laughs> um, but just also this, um, this, amazing culture and spirit of the Icelandic people is so remarkable. They are so proud. And they're essentially on a big giant island. They're pretty much gathered in small communities. Um, and, and I found some amazing similarities to, to, um, a way of life that we some that we experience here in Maine, um, an amazing connection. Um, so much so that I will definitely go back to Iceland. I'd like to ski in Iceland. I think that would be just sort of a fun, a fun thing to do. Um, <clears throat> it's a very barren place, um, but at the same time, it's extremely cultured. I mean, they have an opera house, a concert hall that is that like rivals Sydney, Australia. It's 
it's it's amazing. And the city of Reykjavik is smaller than Portland, um, so that was that was amazing. Um, and then the Denmark time, the ten days I stayed in Denmark, um, I I rented a lovely VRBO um, flat in a historic part of Copenhagen on a canal, and it was like just it was like romantic and saw things in in Denmark that were just just amazing um it's 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 so european um their connection to the royal family is so um amazing and then and then to think about Denmark is just, Denmark too is like a little island and you look at the map and you see Sweden and Finland and and um and Norway and they're ginormous compared to little Denmark but Denmark is just so small and mighty and proud and and there's also this amazing connection between Denmark and Iceland because until the late 1800s um, Denmark Iceland was part of Denmark and so in in Iceland they speak Icelandic Danish and they in English, and and they still do that to this day. So that was it was like a, it was like kismet that I put that trip together, and I did call it my freedom tour. <laughs> but it also um, it also proved to me that travel is very possible. And tell me about this piece you're wearing around your neck. So I bought this. Um, I bought this from a street vendor in Iceland, um, and I saw it um, six times before I bought it. Um, and <clears throat> this was a man, um, an old fisherman, and very, um, very stoic and kind and gentle, but big and furry and um, but but just a, a lovely man. And I listened to his stories and um, of fishing and collecting um, whale bones and um, whale ivory and, and other things on the coast of Iceland. And, um, and that, um, that, connection with whaling um, which really still exists to some extent in Iceland um, and what I know of of my family I just I resonated with this piece and so I finally before I left found him again and um, bit the bullet he changed the leather around it because it had black and I wanted brown and he I watched him tie the knots and um and uh, and this has not actually left my neck since I put it on there um so it's 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 pretty powerful you told me that he believes that this was from a whale's tooth that was about 200 years old. Yep, which in, which if you think, I mean, 200 years old sounds like a long time, but in Iceland with, um, with people who were harvesting whales and things like that, probably not so 
not so old. Not so old. Um, so it's, um, but yeah, to think about it, to think about it in the context of, of its age and, and, um, to, to really kind of like bring, bring your brain back to a time when, when whales were being hunted and, um, and for, for all kinds of reasons and to, to, um, to have that sort of connection to, to the ocean is just, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's fun to actually like bring your, to fantasize about what that might've been like. When you are doing design work, do people often bring a connection to the ocean into the work that you do with them? I think if they live on the ocean, there's no question that that's, that's the case. Um, in, in the work that I do, it's really, really important that people, that the things, um, the possessions that people cherish um, in their lives, whether it's art or antiques or memorabilia or whatever connection that they have, um, to their history um, is like super important for me to um, help them incorporate into their design. So if somebody is living in the middle of the woods, for example, they might choose different design elements to go along with that. I think they would. And I would, I would, um, I would, I would challenge people to make sure that that were the case, that they're, that their interior is in harmony with their exterior. Um, it's a, it's always like kind of driven me crazy. Like I've seen, I've worked on projects where people buy houses on the coast of Maine. This um, happened in the eighties a lot and people had all of this sort of Tuscan colorization and faux painting and, I'm like this is not Tuscany. <laughs> this is this is Maine, and and you the minute you walk in, you you feel uncomfortable. Like I mean, for me, maybe because I'm in tune with that, but I can't imagine that people don't feel uncomfortable. And when you bring the harmony and you bring the connection in, then people are like, oh, they can relax. They don't have to. Their brains don't have to get all scrambled with mixed messages and things like that. Now, I suppose if people had traveled a lot and they had little items that or little collections that were from their travels, that there would be a way to weave those into the the story of their house, but not not that. I'm working on a project in Harpsville right now and the family, um, his family is um, settled in New Sweden, and his great-grandfather built a log cabin, which his father was born in. And the family property, um, the family property was sold, and he had the log cabin dismantled and reassembled as part of a house in um a house in Harpswell. And now subsequently there's um, Scott Simons is doing the addition 
and so, and so the interior of the core of the house is a log cabin, but it's a cedar shingled house on the water um, in Harpswell, and that and and um, Emma and I are working on some new art. Um, she brought in a barter piece, a great big fabulous fisherman, and um, and in like curating their collection so that the log cabin um, has a connection to the water. Um, he's a Navy, retired Navy admiral, so of course there's a lot of that kind of thing. And um, she has a connection to the lakes. Um, and it's been really fun to sort of like deal with the subtleties of of that and also really fun to add to their collection of things that they're doing being able to do together new sweden is up more in the northern part of maine i would say that's like i would say it's just sort of northwest of here like sweden norway and that's um a lot of the the other cool thing is that he's a johnson so he's a real swedish johnson i have no idea how <laughs> if that that's the case with my family but but um but yeah so this log cabin made a big giant trip from from the woods or actually a farm in Maine and um Greg the client tells a story of the um the log cabin got sided with clabberts or shingles because at a certain point, they didn't want to be have the appearance of being so poor that they had to live in a log cabin. So they shingled the log cabin, <laughs> but the inside and the inside, I think, was covered with like newspaper or something. But it's a beautiful, it's beautiful, beautiful space. And from the outside, you would never know that this treasure was inside. When you're working with Emma Wilson and the Portland Art Gallery and other artists, what types of things are you looking for in art to complement the design work that you do? So I think for myself, uh, a lot of what I look for is palette-driven Um Maybe more than um, more than uh, the composition of the painting or the subject of the painting. So, so in that um, in that the 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 palette really is the the driver of really the whole the whole project. So so the art for the art needs to sort of follow suit in that, and sometimes sometimes that is actually a des- dis- disparate thing um, where where the art um, needs to create a little bit of tension um, in the in the overall um, concept or in the overall feeling of things um, and allow a place for the eye to to rest and to sort of be transported in um, where the painting or the art becomes kind of a, a portal um, to something else. Sometimes it, 
sometimes the art becomes like another window that um, people can look into um, and experience that. So it's like the, the art and the art that people collect and resonate with is a huge part of what I do. We have a piece behind us that is Bill Crosby. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking before we came on air about the palette in this particular piece. Mm-hmm. But as you're describing this tension, there's actually, I would say, some tension in this piece as mm-hmm. well. But I hadn't thought about that before you brought this up. Yeah. The, his, work, his work has found its way into many of my clients' homes. Um, it's, it's landscape, but it's not... It's just, um, it's, it, they always have this kind of mood to them, which are, it's like that, it's like what you see if you squint your eyes and you kind of blur things a little bit. So then, so that like invokes this kind of mystery and this, um, it, it allows you, it allows you to sort of fill in the blanks a little bit. Um, um, but his palette is, even though it's, even though from painting to painting it's it varies there's always this kind of similarity it's just slightly muted gem tones which are just so lovely and and natural um not like you know they they never hit you over the head and say look at me look at me i'm um i'm colorful um so it, so his his work definitely like speaks to me and and fortunately, it speaks to a lot of my clients as well. Brett, I know in listening to our conversation, there will be people who want to learn more about the work that you do and also of the various elements of your brand, your retail space, the design work. How do people uh, find you? So um, so we have a, our design studios at 511 Congress Street in Portland, um, and um, we welcome people to come experience that. Our store, our shop, um, and a lovely branded apartment that I live in in the summer um, is at 160 Front Street in Bath. Or you can go to our website at MainStreetDesign.com. And, um, and that website is ever-growing and ever-changing and offering um, uh, more and more. Well, congratulations on continuing to evolve your dream and your dream team, I guess, um, <laughs> as you move forward with your vision. It's really been a pleasure to catch up with you today. Yeah, thank you. I, I, um, I do want to close in that that I, I learned uh, something from one of my art teachers in, in high school, um, Chris Chapman, and she always said, remember, Brett, life is a journey, not a destination. So wise words. I live my life that way. Well, I hope to continue along this journey with you in some way, shape, or form. But today I've enjoyed touching base with you since it's been, you know, a COVID induced <laughs> few months since we've actually seen each other. Exactly. It's good to it's good to be in in close proximity. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you very much for coming in today, Brett. You're welcome. Thank you. I've been speaking with Brett Johnson 
who is an interior designer and um, lovely warm person that I hope that you reach out to and learn more about um, if you are considering your own interior design. If you are interested in hearing about Bill Crosby and other Portland Art Gallery artists, please come join us in Portland or visit the Portland Art Gallery website. I am Dr. Lisa Belial, and you have been listening to or watching Radio Maine.